Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his spectacular corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, J.J. Hodges, and today I am joined by Javi Trujillo to discuss Amazing Spider-Man number 275. Javi, how the heck are you today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Uh, fantastic. I am excited to talk about this with you, which I, I, I don't think I'd ever read this one, or at least if I had, it was a long time ago. So uh, getting getting to dig into it was, uh, uh, was a lot of fun. And, uh, and I kind of loved how the uh, Spidey origin was just smack in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 threw me for a loop think, a little bit. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that I really loved about it when I read it as a kid, just because it wasn't just a straight ahead comic. Mm-hmm. You you know got a reprint of Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, so you get uh, two for the price of one. Can't say that very often. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Amazing Spider-Man number 275, published December 31st, or released, I should say, ni- or, excuse me, <laughs> December 31st, 1985, New Year's Eve comic. Interesting, interesting. Uh, written by Tom DeFalco, with art by Ron Friends, uh, inked by Joseph Rubenstein. It's Joseph spelled with an F and then Rubenstein, so that's a... French Jewish name, I assume. So that's interesting. Um, lettered by Joe Rosen, colored by Nelson Yamtov, which just sounds like a nonsense word that my daughter would make up, but that's okay. <laughs> no offense, Nelson. I'm sure you're a nice guy. Uh, and the colors were great, so you did a great job. Um, so, Javi, uh, the first question I like to ask everybody is when were you first bitten by the radioactive spider? When did that thing get you? Oh, from a really young age. I mean, I'm sure I probably had prior Spider-Man contact before this memory. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was born in the late 70s. So my early childhood in the 80s was the Marvel cartoon, uh, that the solo Spidey, which then became Spidey and his amazing friends. And then we also had reruns of the 60s show. But the first uh, comic that I ever remember getting from anything uh, was a Marvel Tales reprint that my dad bought me at the uh, at the Quick Mart, and it was a reprint of Amazing Spider-Man number five. I always forget the Marvel Tales number. I want to say it's like one forty-two, or I, I always forget it. But mm-hmm. the important thing is it's Amazing Spider-Man number five, and just coming in that that early. Um, in the character's run uh, just left the last scene impression on me because I was five years old and here I was reading about you know a 15 16 year old superhero and um, I think I missed a couple issues after that but then it kind of became like the regular book that I would always make sure when we went to the grocery store that I'd check the magazine aisle and if there was a new one you know try and finagle my parents into buying it for me so I had to from a very early age, I had a really good grasp of the Lee Ditko run and mm-hmm. the early Lee Romita run. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that stuff's classic for a reason. Um, just uh, so, uh, such a simple idea with Spider-Man, like teenager with superpowers. But, you know, and, and we'll get into it with this particular issues, but Spider-Man really just, uh, there's something much more uh human and relatable about spider-man than 
most other heroes, I got to say, um, in, in, you know, and I yeah. say, and I say that as a gigantic Batman fan, even though I'm hosting a Spider-Man podcast here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's just something really, uh, uh, really cool about that. And, and I remember that too, you know, watching when I watched the 90s show when I was a kid and yeah. just, just feeling like, Oh, Spider-Man's like me, you know, and even now like the, the, the movies and TV shows do a pretty good job of that, I think. Um, and uh, like I said, we'll get all into that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> so here's so here's the uh, here's the question that people seem to get stumped on. Um, who in all of Spider-Man lore, who is your favorite character? It can be hero, villain, sporting character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the obvious answer is Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that seems like the gimme answer. That's, that's why we're here to talk about this character, but sure. outside of Peter, um, I probably have to go with Mary Jane. Uh, there's a lot of great characters in the spider verse, but um, she's just someone that has gotten a lot of character growth and development since her inception um, from kind of the party girl persona to, you know, trying out for her PhD and, or um, psychology and just the other avenues, you know, life has taken her in the comics. Like I, she's just multifaceted and, and there's a, you know, a reason why I've got like a couple pieces of Mary Jane art and why I've got like a, a commission from this issue's artist, Ron Friends, that's Spider-Man and Mary Jane, because she's oh. such a vital character and he wouldn't be the same without her. That's really cool. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, you're not the first person to say Mary Jane, and uh, she's because <laughs> to you know to me she's not one of my favorite characters uh, for various reasons. But it it's, so it's surprising to me when people do jump on the Mary Jane train, and I'm just like, I, I must be missing something. I got to read more of these comics. Uh, <laughs> here I am again. I, I do. I like Peter, you know, I, I did I did like Gwen a lot as well. Sure. Um, and I'm a little tired of like every time we get a variant cover, she's in her death outfit. Like, can we remember her for something other than dying? I mean, at least we have Spider Gwen now, so that balances that out a little bit, even though it's not the original. It's still, you know, she's not being glorified in her death clothes. So I uh, 100% agree with you there. And, and that's a funny way to put it because I remember thinking that too, seeing a variant cover, I think for the new Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man that just started uh, like as of this recording uh, yesterday. And I, I remember thinking like, like, why does she always have to wear that outfit? You know, we, she's got other outfits, you know? And, and also Spider-Gwen, I feel like has in a way made the death of Gwen Stacy null, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But because I, I that's how I like to think of her now is Spider Gwen. And I'm almost 100% sure that Spider Gwen was created because of Emma Stone and how awesome she is. So the fact that we haven't gotten a Spider Gwen movie. Oh, with, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, we haven't gotten Spider Gwen with a Emma Stone movie is just blows my mind. <laughs> She's really busy. I guess, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. She's really busy, and Sony hasn't backed up the truck. Well, I mean, truck full of money that is. No, no, yeah, yeah, I figured what you meant. Uh, yeah, they need to, you know, they, I mean, the multiverse is open now, so go for it, Sony. You know, what, what the what the heck else are you doing with Morbius and Venom if we're not going to get? Oh God, somebody for crying or out loud. The, the new well i don't even remember the guys el muerte is that the new sony spider-verse movie they announced yes um he's some wrestler guy from like friendly neighborhood in like two issues i didn't even remember um yeah but apparently he deserves a movie so <laughs> what 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 yeah. do we what do we know bad bunny and sony know more than we do apparently so <laughs> oh, totally <laughs> um so, uh, next question. Throughout all of uh, Spider-Man, you know, video games, comics, cartoons, movies, do you have a favorite costume for Spider-Man? 
I mean, I feel really unoriginal, but it's the black suit. <laughs> it's it's the black suit. Yeah. I just it was such a cool and radical idea when I was a kid and to be able to like go to the shelf uh, the toy store shelf and like find it and take it home and it, it it it's so simplistic and it it can evoke so many things that I I just just a big fan of it nothing there are other good costumes, but nothing's quite at that level. And then if I had to go to talk movies, um, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit is my current favorite until we see more of that final No Way Home suit that we only got a quick glimpse of. But live action, it's the Amazing 2 suit for me. I, uh, yeah, that, that suit is, I mean, uh, until we got... The, the Stark Tech suit where the eyes could actually move. Like that was the closest, that was the closest Spider-Man from the comic books, which was cool. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right, good. Just making sure we're not like losing our connection here. Um, so here we are talking about Amazing Spider-Man 275. Um, not necessarily a, uh, at least from my estimation, you can correct me, uh, not a groundbreaking issue, so to speak, but uh, a really interesting one in that I'm glad you picked it because it had some of my favorite stuff in it, Black Suit Spider-Man and the Hobgoblin. Like, or right away, the cover, you, you said, oh, this is the one I want to do. Yeah. I, saw, I saw the cover and I was like, well, geez, yes, I'm already sold. <laughs> um, and with comic books, you can judge a book by its cover. That is a fact. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what made you pick uh, this comic? That was the first one you wanted to, to really get into. It well, I, I really wanted Craven's Last Hunt, but I think someone grabbed that before me because everyone is, loves that story because it's awesome. That is true. Yes, that was that was <laughs> so taken. Out, outside of that though. Yeah, it it's well, like I said earlier, like my dad got me like those Marvel Tales issues mm -hmm. growing up. So that's kind of where I started. So to get something that was like a modern book happened very rarely i i had this issue um a couple of chapters of craven's last hunt which starting off with the third issue for that the third chapter of that story was really weird at 10 years old um <laughs> sure and then uh and there i just kind of like cherry picked i had like amazing 309 and then it wasn't until todd mcfarland left that i started reading the modern books on a regular basis so this book always stood out to me because it it was of the present day. Like, this is what was happening now. And I was really familiar with the Green Goblin and uh, really loved uh, Amazing 40, where they had their big confrontation where he found out who Peter was. So to kind of get like a modern reinterpretation with it, with the Hobgoblin with his different costume, and here's him fighting Spider-Man who's in a different costume. And just going through this whole you know, book length epic, there was just all these different twists and turns and who is the Rose and what's his connection with the Kingpin and, and Spider-Man and Mary Jane have like this, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a friendship, but they used to date, but with the Hobgoblin of, is it Ned Leeds? Is it Flash Thompson? And there's just all this, all these different layers to the story. And I mean, it was a mystery that I had to, to, you know, let sit on the shelf for a couple of years before I got to read more of the stories when I would go to like the comic shop and get back issues and kind of fill them out. Um, I, I love that, uh, that you said this is from your childhood because it, um, because the, the Hobgoblin's my favorite Spider-Man villain because of the, the nineties animated series. Um, which, uh, I, I guess the, the story behind that was that, uh, they, the producers were going to introduce the Green Goblin, but Avi Arad, who, you know, is kind of a 
jerk. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he insisted that they use the hobgoblin first because they made like a bunch of toys and they would lose like millions of dollars if they didn't include the hobgoblin. And so they, and, but all the writers were like, well, we don't even like the hobgoblin. Um, which I found so interesting because I was like, well, those first three episodes with the Hobgoblin are some of my favorite Spider-Man stories ever. Um, so again, yeah. when when you're like, huh. oh, yeah, you're real, real weird. <laughs> um, but uh, well, I mean, not weird, I guess. I mean, it's business and, and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but when you know, what? Well, well, no, you're right though. It is weird because that that show is so um faithful to the comics in a lot of ways probably more than any of the shows that preceded it um to the fact where they even had like comic book writers like helping with the stories and getting you know credit for yep. writing some of the episodes yep. and it feels like i mean spectacular spider-man's great the show oh yeah but i mean this was kind of doing that first where it felt like you were watching a comic book you had peter's inner monologue um you know, he would have trouble with his personal life and being spidey. And I mean, it really did feel like a comic, you know, on your TV screen every Saturday morning. So it, it I remember thinking back then how odd it was that for all the things that it was faithful to, um, that this wasn't one of them, that yep. Hobgoblin came first. And I remember thinking, that's not right. <laughs> but you know still enjoying it because it was luke skywalker is the hobgoblin <laughs> yeah um it, you know it's funny you say it that way because i was just the opposite where when i started getting into the comics and i found out the green goblin came first i was like but wait the, the tv show did it different and you know my little kid brain not realizing that that's okay that they did it that way <laughs> that that kind of right. stuff ha happens all the time um but yeah you know it's uh so is this so in this is the black suit is that is that a cloth suit or is he still is that still the symbiote that he has on him because i i wasn't 100 sure. it's it's cloth at this point okay okay yeah and in fact in the next issue after the cliffhanger he uh has to phone mary jane and she comes and brings him a change of clothes okay. and uh when he goes back out again he goes back to the classic red and blue Okay, and that's that's kind of what I thought because it, when the story ends and Hop Goblin shoots him, I was like, "Yeah, the symbiote would have protected him." So I think this is a cloth suit, um, but yeah. I but I always try to defer to the guest expertise because despite me hosting this show, I I'm frequently when people suggest stories to me, I'm frequently saying, "Well, oh, that one," uh, <laughs> which is slightly embarrassing, um, but. But then again, dude, also, not not at all, man. There's so much out there. Like, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable, but I've been reading like some old spectacular stuff from like the '80s. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know any of this stuff at all. <laughs> um, well, the Rose was a character that I had just completely forgotten about. Nobody's used the Rose in forever. Um, I I think I read that the Rose is coming back. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's in this week's this week's Amazing Spider-Man number one. Okay, and uh, and was at the end of Nick Spencer's run. I don't think he was in Beyond, to my memory. Okay, I I have not picked that up yet. So I was right. So I do know some stuff. Um, <laughs> so take that, all you haters, all seven of you that are listening <laughs> to this right now. I'm just kidding. There's ten of you, um, but, uh, but yeah. So that was interesting to me. Like that, this this comic, you know, like I, I I was joking about it having Amazing Fantasy just like shoved in the middle of it, which I found really funny. To be honest with you, I was like, oh, is this how they just like say, oh, how do we retell the origin? Just put it in there. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> like uh, it, it almost sounds like a Simpsons joke. A little bit right like it's like you say oh we gotta retell the spider-man origin like in the middle of this and, and make it worth people's you know bang for their buck it's like it seems like a lot of work let's just put the put the comic right in there they'll get it they'll understand so yeah that's better let's do that um yeah i wish 
I wish there was like something like I'd love to know what the decision was behind that. Because I mean, on the cover, it's clear in the window box that they're celebrating Marvel's 25th anniversary. This is a 37 page book length epic. And it says the original unabridged classic. Um, but I mean, and, and it's amazing 275. So I guess, you know, it's a big it's a big marker for 275. But uh, for being unabridged, it's really funny because I started rereading this uh, through the Marvel app um, and then dug out my actual physical copy, which has seen better days. It's <laughs> been well-loved and well-read. Sure. But um, in my print version, like at the end when he captures the killer, uh, he doesn't have the little pupils in his eyes, in his mask. Which always weirded me out as a kid, and his uh, the spider on on the back of his costume is red, but in the original uh, Amazing Fantasy fifteen and in the digital version, the back spider is covered like a, a color like a light blue. Hmm. So the story seems to be intact, but not necessarily uh, all the art. There's a little couple of little tweaks. Well, that's how they got away with it, I guess. They were like, well, we'll just change it up a little bit. Nobody will notice. <laughs> um, it, must have, it must have been Avi Arad, who was working at Marvel at the time. Like, oh, they won't notice. Just do that. It's fine. <laughs> so I, if it seems like I'm picking on Avi Arad a lot, folks, it's because I am, because Spider-Man 3 really ruined my life. I'm kidding. It didn't. <laughs> there's, there's quite a lot to love about that movie. Um, not for me, but other people. I'm, I'm kidding again. All right. That's enough Spider-Man 3 bash <laughs> for today. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, but I, I think what what made this uh, issue stand out for me is is the Peter Parker story where it's, it's again a Peter that's just at the end of his rope, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be Spider-Man. Nobody appreciates me. And, you know, and that's going back to what I was saying before about Spider-Man feeling like a real person, because I feel like that's just that's just an honest reaction to Spider-Man. You know, we're like you have some heroes who want to give it up for love or they give it up to, you know, mm-hmm. because the, the, the villain dares them to or something like that. Some maybe some silly comic book trope. But for Spider-Man, when he throws his hands up in the air and says, I can't do this anymore, I, I sit there and I. It's like, and I want to listen to him, almost like I'm his therapist in a weird way. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, well, I mean, this isn't the first time that he's he's quit or wanted to get away from being Spider-Man. Sure. Um, and you've got, you know, the famous Spider-Man No More. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, in fact, thinking about it, it tends to be these anniversary issues because that was issue 50, then, you know, right around issue 100, it's the spider of the man. He wants to give up his powers to be with Gwen. Yep. And, and here we're at 275, and it's a very different motivation. Like, it was something I appreciated about it, too. There's a, that you know, that old saying about every comic is someone's first. Right. And, you know, we don't necessarily have stories told to us this way anymore but like in this one there's a lot of recap of peter you know telling mary jane how he came to this decision this time um and it's you know it's something that wet my appetite for other spider-man stories because he he clearly talks about the death of gene DeWolf and how her passing you know impacted him and how handling the sin eater caused him to you jump out of the way because of the spider sense and that got the civilians behind him injured um and and then he just kind of beats himself up about it because he was making jokes because that's what he does uh so it actually meant something a little bit different uh to me this time than it has in years past because we're we're more willing to talk about like mental health and and having that kind of awareness about burnout um so it didn't strike me as odd at all that, you know, he's frustrated and wants to hang it up again. Because I mean, there's certainly times in my life where I'm, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And that's always kind of been my barometer, um, you know, is, is Peter acting in character? It's like, well, would I do this? And I think you can say that pretty much 
you know, across the board for him because he's so his humanity is what I think people relate to him most about it. Cause I think a lot of people see themselves, um, you know, some aspect of themselves in Peter. And if you can figure that you can do it, then so can other people. And so can he. Um, I, I love that you said it that way um, because I, I think Spider-Man, you know, the way we're talking about it is it was the first time I ever started to really love um the, uh, the secret identity over the superhero, you know, uh, for as much as I grew up mm-hmm. love, loving Batman and, and Superman and everything, I, I wasn't like getting into the idea of Clark Kent or Bruce Wayne until I got a little bit older, but Peter Parker just always stood out to me. Um, and, and so when he gets frustrated and he says, I, I can't do this anymore, you know, nobody appreciates me and I feel, you know, that every time I do something, I screw it up. There's, there's an, there's a part of me that just, I just have to like put the book down for a second and go, dude, I hear you. <laughs> um, you know, something as simple as, uh, you, you know, it, like the, the tiniest thing, like my daughter's three and, you know, I play a song that she wants to hear on, the, on on shuffle or whatever. And then she's like, play it again, play it again, play it again. And there's a part of me that goes, dude, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, but then there's like a, a, a bigger thing where like, I'm at, I'm at work and like, you know, customers are being you know, customers and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and there's just, and there's just a part of me that just like goes, I don't know if I could take this for another day. Um, and and I, so when Peter says it, it, it feels real. It feels honest. And, and I do think, and there's a part of me that kind of goes, I think if anybody's earned a rest, it's him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this poor guy just gets the, he gets the crap kicked out of him all the time. And not just by the villains, but by, you know, obviously the media, Daily Bugle and, and even Mary Jane, you know, she, you know, they straight up argue about it in this where he says, you don't even like me being Spider-Man. And she says, no, I don't, but it's part of you. And, and again, that interaction feels honest and it feels real that of course she's not gonna be like, yeah, yeah, go save the world. I'll be right here cooking dinner. Like she's, no, she's gonna be like, you're risking your life and, and that scares me. You know, there, there's an honesty to that, that I think some other books, it, it seems like other books have tried to emulate since then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and like we touched on earlier, it's a really complicated relationship they have at this point. Yeah. Because she, timeline-wise, she's only recently told him that she's known since they were kids. Yep. So because he's hurting so much, like she asks him to tell, tell her what happened. Um, so she gets to hear you know, the origin for the first time in full. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just, I really like where she is in this story in terms of her relationship with Peter, because I mean, she is that voice of reason. You know, if there's the little cartoon angel and devil on your shoulders, like Mary Jane is hundred percent like the angel. and like, you know, yeah, I don't, like you just said, I don't like it, but like, if you don't go do this, if you're not true to who you are, then what does that mean for us? Like, yeah. because that's like, I hate it, but that's why I admire you. Like, there's just, it's not like a surface thing. Like there's something deeper going on there. And I really appreciate that characterization that started to come out in the eighties. There, you know, and it, it's, it, it was reflected in a really great way. I thought at the, the very end of Spider-Man 2, when uh you know she says go get him tiger and he you know jumps out the window and and the look on her face as she's watching him leave is just this look of i hope he makes it back um yeah and and it's just and i love that image because it just it it says everything we were just saying just with one frame of the film Um, yeah it's such a such a weird moment because like i i equally love that moment like, I love that she's giving him the attaboy and he's taking that energy and going off to, to do his thing. Mm. But, you know, 
and I, I like that human moment of like, she did that and now she's got to deal with the consequences and she's worried. Like, I appreciate the realism of that. But then as a movie guard, it's like, well, you kind of killed my happy spice swing off to a new adventure <laughs> buzz that sure. we're going on. Like, like, I always feel conflicted by that moment because I love it and I feel uneasy about it at the same time. No, that, that's, uh, and, and I think that's sort of the point too. And, you know, Sam Raimi was sort of, ahead of his time a little bit that these yeah. movies maybe should end on a on a happy positive note but he ended it on a slightly bittersweet moment um which you know is, is perfectly fitting for these two characters you know to have um peter just be like okay like i've been given license by the woman i love to do what needs to be done but she's also going to say what have i done you know um and I think that those, I mean, those two, you know, that, that scene is just, you know, there's a reason that Spider-Man 2, even from 2004, still ranks in the top 10 of superhero movies, at least for me. Um, and, and just the fact that when the Hobgoblin kidnaps Shashan mm-hmm. and they're watching about it on the news and he's, he just doesn't want to go. He's like, there's like the Avengers, there's the Fantastic Four, and she's just, this is a great close-up of his his eyes and they're really intense and she's asking him what's where's your sense of responsibility now like, yes yep. like if you're going to hit home with peter parker it's bringing up his sense of responsibility yep yep um, and and ultimately um his redemption in a way too because mm-hmm. it's so it's so low-key and uh, we've seen this moment, you know, a dozen times since this issue, but um, one of the big um, moments is he has a flashback kind of to the death of Gwen Stacy because mm-hmm. um, he finds himself in a very similar situation. And um, maybe if you've seen No Way Home, like you're familiar with it, like he's he sees Shoshan being thrown to her death. And yeah he gets to learn from his mistake and it's not even just just that moment which is great as it is but um even realizing that dodging like this pumpkin bomb is going to hurt the people behind him and he's got to try and correct it no matter what the you know jeopardy is going to come to him like there's a lot of little redemption moments in this story that that really hit home it's it's really fascinating because it's it's such a thing where you can understand why a person like like peter would feel responsible like if he's like he talks about the sin eater or he jumped out of the way of the bullet and it killed somebody behind him it's like you you know so you you kind of go back and forth right like you know just like peter would like was that really his fault i mean not is that really like he's what was he supposed to do take the bullet and be killed and then those people would have died anyway or you know it but it's just such a strange like philosophical question but I feel like if, yeah, again, like I said, if I was Peter's therapist, I would be like, it's not your fault, Peter. Like, you know, you, yeah. you, you didn't know that was going to happen. And it's better that you're still around to save people. And like Mary Jane reminds him at one point, like, think of all the good you've done. Um, and I think that that, and that's sort of depression in a nutshell, wasn't it? To <laughs> just for, just all the, all the good is just gone from your brain. It's just like no like no I, I i screwed up like those people died you know that's it i can't do this anymore it's like yeah okay but what about the you know thousands of people you've saved in the meantime you know it, it's it's such an interesting philosophical debate that goes on with spider-man uh with all superheroes really but spider-man is the one that kind of lives with it the most more so than yeah than the others i think 100 percent, yeah um, you know, I love, you know, when you're talking about Shoshan, um, I, I remember when I was reading this, I thought, okay, it's like, man, like, I, I, I don't like that they're making Flash that much of a scumbag, you know, mm-hmm. that he's just going to beat her up like that, or not beat her up, but he hits her. And, yeah. And, and what, what bugged me about it was, you know, but, but again, what felt real about it was him going, well, I mean, I wouldn't have done that if she didn't, you know, make me or she didn't push me or whatever. There's just, there was a part of me that goes, oh my God, like, I know, I know this type of guy or person, you know, 
And it's just, and it's sad to see um, because you just, you want to just like reach through the comic and just like shake him and go, dude, like, come on, like quit being, quit, you know, pull your head out of your butt. You can, you can still fix this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember my initial impressions of just being really shocked, not, not just by Flash, who, you know, I was used to him being the high school bully, but sure. I mean, he was never like really that physical. Um, but Ned too, like Ned Leeds is a lot darker in this story than I remembered. It's like, oh yeah. Um, I remember reading some article maybe a couple of years after this came out, um, probably during the 30th anniversary for Spidey, uh, where they were bringing up like the soap opera aspect of the character. And that's one of the things that, you know, helped resonate. Um, and this issue is just chock full of soap opera. You've got you know, cheating spouses and, and, you know, you've got a lot of dramatic close-ups to, to characters at the end of the scene. Like yep. it, it's, it is full on like so superhero soap opera. Um, yeah. It, that's, that's such a funny way to put it because it's a hundred percent on the money too. Um, and, and, and I love the idea of Peter just, or, or Flash just running away and just, being pissed off and then and then he just happens to run into dead leads you know which is just such yeah. a um such a comic book or like not comic book but it's more of it's like a storytelling contrivance like well now here that they get to finally like come to blows with each other um and, and i but i gotta tell you that i forgot about a lot of the Ned leads of it all because mm -hmm. of the, the recent movies. So like my brain okay. sort of erased him from the comics and just said, Oh, that's Ned leads now. Um, even though I always knew like, well, that's not really Ned. That's essentially Ganke, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but let, let me just ask you as a, as a side tangent here, which do you want to see that version of Ned leads become the hobgoblin in like Spider-Man four? I mean, it it would be a little weird um, mm -hmm. because he's so jovial. Like it would be a there. Would ha I can't imagine a scenario where you could get him to be like that kind of uh, darker take on the character, where he would be so angry that he would become the hobgoblin. And then, of course, that's not really what happens either. Right. Um, or the full story behind it, we find out like years and years later. But I mean. On, on the other hand, though, it'd be an interesting twist, given how some of the stuff in No Way Home shook out, and you know the promise that he would never you know, become a villain and try and hurt Peter. Right. So I mean, there could—I mean, there's definitely great potential for drama in that, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if I don't know if he could pull it off and have audiences go with it. I mean, it's the beauty about comics is you—it's so long form and. The installments are so rapid that you can you can tell these types of stories and go along with it. Um, no, it, totally. And whereas I think that the the general audience probably wouldn't accept that. I don't think I would accept it either. It's like that that version of Dead Leads. Like he's he's a sweet boy. Leave him alone. You know he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> right. need to, to go the Harry Osborn route that we've seen in two other franchises. And had literally two other Spider-Man talk about it <laughs> in front of him. I mean, they all forgot now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Um, but I got to say that uh, uh, one of the things I loved about it that was just like a tiny bit was uh, uh, Miss, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ned's wife, Betty. But like, okay, Betty. Um, okay, she. Um, when she says, uh, you know, please stop sending him on all these undercover assignments and Robbie's thought bubble is undercover. Like, you know, I, I just yeah. saw that and went, ah, they're getting to the bottom of it. Um, but, but also like, I, I, I think that's what separated the Hobgoblin a little bit from the Green Goblin was that he wasn't crazy. He was just like, like Goblin yeah. is crazy. He's more manipulative and and dark and 
you know, he's cunning. Yes, he's he's yeah. gonna he's gonna take pleasure in the in the harm he's causing, not because you know he's a wacko, but because he genuinely knows it's gonna piss Spider Man off. It's gonna hurt Spider Man. So that's that's how you get to him. Um, one one uh, one thing I, I thought about a lot with this comic uh, was uh, as like I have to kind of rewire my brain a little bit reading it. Going okay, this was written in the eighties, so it's gonna be a completely different reading experience from a comic that's written yeah today. For example, they talk quite a lot. You know, where Spider Man's like, "Ha ha, I dodged your pumpkin bomb," and he says, "Nah, because now I'm aiming with my you know with my computer chest plate." And I'm just right. like, yeah. I'm like, both of you need to shut up. You're giving each other your battle <laughs> tips and you're just, um, you're ruining it a little bit. But uh, but again, that's sort of the charm of these uh, those, those comics because I'm sure you as a, when you were reading it as a kid, you didn't think like, oh, why are you saying all these things? You were, you, you know, the theater of the mind was taking over for you, I'm sure. Yeah. The, the only problem I have with it now is um, time because, you know, I could knock out two or three issues of Ultimate Spider-Man in the time it took me to read this one issue. Yes. It's, just, it, it's more of a time management thing. Like, okay, like when I go to pick up my kids from school, I, I try and get there early so I get a good spot and I can leave quicker when they come. So it's like, all right, am I going to bring two modern comics from the 60s? And I, if I time it right, I can just finish it. <laughs> That's funny. I, I think about that sometimes, too, with, uh, you know, with, with some of those older comics. Because that was another thing when I thought I'm going to have to read this. So I'm going to make sure that I have, like, time to do it. Um, and which just sounds like maybe it sounds silly to somebody listening to this and going like, Oh, they're comics. They're, they're quick. It's like, no, some of them are, uh, are dense. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I loved, uh, uh, green arrow quiver that, uh, Kevin Smith wrote. And, mm -hmm. and he made a point that when he was writing it, he told the editors like, Oh, I'm going to have all this dialogue. And they were like, why does he have all this dialogue in this, you know? And, but, uh, you know, he was, that's kind of how he writes anyway. Um, yeah. But, but some of that, that stuff I, I, I like because it, in a weird way, it takes me back to that time. Even if I wasn't alive mm -hmm. in, in 85, um, that rhymed unintentionally. Um, but <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's still, I felt like, okay, like, but I can know what it's like to hold, even I'm reading a digital copy, I, I can still almost feel it in my hand, like you said, in the grocery store, because I have memories like that, too. When my mom was shopping and I went to the magazine aisle, I'd grab something and uh, and try and just, you know, read over it real quick. Um, and, you know, she and then just kind of sneak it into the cart under like the apples or something. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, so there's that aspect to it that and I think the same thing when you know, like the Crusoes and I were talking about amazing fantasy where, yeah. you know, it's like every sentence ends with an exclamation point and, you know, everybody's fist is in the air and, you know, just, it's, it's just very different from how comics are written today where they're much more, I like guess, cinematic would be the word, you know, like they, Oh, totally. Yeah. You, you know, they make a conscious effort to say, to make it feel like these are almost like storyboards to a movie. Um, but, you know, but still, I, I'm just, I'm reading it feeling like, okay, like I can, I can transport myself to the 80s and read this as it is and not go, well, it's stupid because nobody talks that much. Like, like, well, no. And I'm sure in the 80s, people weren't talking that much, you know, but, the, you know. Yeah. You know, the guy robbing the bank isn't yelling to the police. I still have bullets left and I'm going to shoot you. It's like, uh, uh, I have bullets left. They're not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> but it was the writing style for whatever reason. And I think Tom DeFalco, you know, I've read other, other Spider-Man stuff he's done. And I think he was great. Uh, yeah. There's, there's still, even if it's cheesy now, the story itself is still really good and just full of stuff. You know, like you said before 
was it Kingpin and the Rose and Shashan and Flash and you know you have Ned Leeds, you have Peter and MJ, you have you know the Hobgoblin, and I'm just like, and I was just like reading it, getting excited, thinking there's so much happening here, you know. And then when it was over, I'm kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, well, that's it. Like you know, yeah, you know, I'd have to I, now. I got to read the next one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even with it being padded out with having Amazing Fantasy 15, like, even if you remove that, mm-hmm. like, there's still just so much going on in that book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, no, that's definitely what I meant. Um, because Amazing Fantasy 15 is fairly simple and straightforward, um, as, as it just was Stanley just saying, oh, I'm going to write the Spider-Man story, I don't care what anybody says, and then ended up becoming, like... <laughs> a billion dollar franchise <laughs> yeah. um, like who, who could have thought of that excuse me but um yeah it, it just it, it summed up for me what i love about spider-man to begin with like i love the humanity i love the idea that he is gonna doubt himself and he is gonna kind of be make a show of it and he's even gonna take it out on mary jane and she and she kind of Take, takes the hit a couple of times, you know, and I, you know, she has the one line where she's like, okay, I guess I deserve that. And, and I love that because I thought, man, like, I know what it's like to just, you know, lash out at, at, at somebody for no reason other than you're having a bad day and you take it out on them. And it, it just, you know, and, and that's what brings me back to Spider-Man every time that the, the the emotional reality that I feel towards it, yeah, it really isn't like really can't be topped. I mean, as much as I love Batman, Superman, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider Man just he he does it best, you know, with his uh, his sense of not even sense of I don't want to say sense of humanity, but it's just you know, there's the reality of his humanity. Yeah. No, there's there's a, a realistic honesty between the two people like you can tell the way they interact that they have been in some kind of a relationship for a while because it's i think as people we tend to let our guard down more towards people we're closest to yeah and and in this moment like he's feeling really vulnerable um for a lot of reasons and and maybe he doesn't feel that she accepts this side of him so he kind of lashes out on her and that's where like you said like i guess i kind of deserve that like but that's like such an honest moment between the two of them where she's acknowledging her part in how he's feeling and and you know he's getting across that you know how much it, it hurts him that and how private it is and i think it's you know only those people that we're really close to that you know you're not necessarily going to snap at some stranger you don't know but if you're at home with your significant other you may let that irritation show it's not that you don't love them any less but it's just something that happens when we have our guard down we're more more vulnerable with those certain people yeah you Uh, can let that mask slide a little bit no no pun intended (laughs) i was gonna say um but uh, but yeah, that's that's absolutely true, and uh, you know, and and we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of yeah. ha- having to turn around and say, uh, "I should have said that. I'm sorry. You know, I'm I'm taking something out on you." Uh, which you know, I'm sure I we could probably name six other comics off the top of our heads that Peter has done that exact same sentence. <laughs> and yeah, um, but but you know, but that's what makes the character feel feel real to me. Um, and, and now, but, but also, I, but I don't feel, I, it doesn't feel like a weird shift when the next, you know, in the next part of the story, he's jumping through the air, trying to fight the hobgoblin. And he's like, okay, like, I have to be careful. Don't think, just go on instinct. And he's, you know, hopping around, you know, Ron friends through that really, really well. Oh, um, yeah. And it just looks so cool, but I'm not sitting there going, like, well, now I don't believe the story anymore. You know, like, it still feels like I'm reading Peter Parker. Like, th- this is yeah. who he is. And that's that's exciting to me. Not feeling like, well, all the realism just went out the window. Like, the story is still keeping my attention. Even if part of me misses the soap opera of it, 
strangely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm all in on the superhero action, which is, uh, which is awesome. Well, I mean, I, I think in this particular case, like that soap opera aspects, even there in the fight, because his Shoshan falls, mm-hmm. like friends gives us that, that panel where he's, he's seen Gwen in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, doing the fall. So like, he's still got, it's not just, you know, fighty fighty punch punch like there's he's you know reacting because of his past experiences to certain situations and he's he's emotionally invested in that fight beyond just you know i'm gonna save someone from this awful person yeah like Um, he's still bringing a lot of peter parker uh to it and that scene that you mentioned where he's dodging the finger blasts on the rooftops like that that's just pure like Ditko inspiration. I there was an, one of the older issues where it was kind of like you were tracing Spider-Man on the rooftops, and it was like a, a full splash page, yeah, um, showing how acrobatic he was. I think it was in one of the like the first annual, but like it reminded me so much of that to see him, you know, just bounding all over the place, and to see like you know whatever it is, seven or eight Spider-Mans all in one panel because he's just moving that fast trying to dodge it. Yeah, and he's got. Friends has such a great um, way of capturing movement and making it um, seem dramatic and you can just feel the motion like when he finally gets tagged, like just the shock that his body has from getting hit and the weight like it feels almost like he's moving off the panel towards you because he got hit so hard. That's a really awesome way to put it and, and it's true because it it again getting so swept up in the story and in my opinion that the i'm sure i'm not the way to fix this but uh, as a disclaimer this is my opinion um explaining how podcasts work to people i feel like anyway um it, it what's what the best kind of comic books are the ones where i'm not thinking about the art and i'm not thinking about the writing i'm thinking about everything as a whole so oh, yeah when all of that happens, I'm not sitting there going, oh, this is written really well. Oh, this is drawn really well. I'm sitting there going, this is amazing. This is, this is really like gripping me because, you know, Spider-Man's dodging. It's like, oh, he's going to save the day. He gets hit. Oh, he's not going to save the day. What's going to happen next? Even if I'm not literally saying all of that out loud, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm invested. Um, yeah. And, and again, that, those are the best kinds of comics where, the, the, especially the ones that I will frequently reread, whether it's Spider-Man or whatever, um, that are pulling me in. And I, and on later readings, I can say, oh, I really like how they did this and this this layout or that layout or, you know, the dialogue here, whatever. I, but I still have that sense of this all works together. And it's, it's shocking. Yeah. The comic book medium is, you know, 80 something years old but it's it's so funny to me how hard it is for so many writers and artists to get that right to have that good synergy um because i'm sure you you know just like i could i if i asked you to name five comics that you only like the writing and you probably could um yeah <laughs> um and and that's but when i when i tell people oh this is one of my favorite comics like i don't say like oh this is my favorite because it's tom defalco i'm saying oh this is my favorite because it it works and it's great um and that's and i would and i would hope that they would all agree with me that the writers and artists if i were to meet them and say that to them that they would say oh thank you that's what we're going for you know we're going for a truly immersive experience where all of it matters and none of it matters if, if that makes any sort of sense yeah I tend to be long-winded, so I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, I mean, uh, I'm glad you picked this one. This this was this was great to read, and uh, and, and like I said, feel a, a part of the story that is uh, is really tough with just like you know because you said this issue. I was like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens, um, and then thinking, are we going to have enough to talk about? And when I was reading, I'm like, we have plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a full Spider-Man meal. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you've got like, I mean, we've touched on it, you know, a whole bunch. There's just so many different facets that come out in this one issue. Um, and, it, you know, reading it too, it's like, oh man, I miss, I miss like the supporting characters. Like, I, I appreciate that we've gotten um, more depth to Aunt May mm -hmm. as the years have gone on. And, you know, made her not just, you know, the sick old lady who's going to die if she ever finds out. Right. Um, but, like, there's just something about, like, the, the extended cast where they're not overpowering the story at all. Um, but they're, they're, I mean, they're supporting it. That's <laughs> because of the supporting cast. Right. You know, and, and I, I appreciate seeing, like, even though Peter's not the bugle, what's going on at the bugle is going to affect him personally because the drama between betty and ned and flash um is coming into play with spider-man fighting the hobgoblin mm -hmm. even though peter has like no idea where it's going and, and for the longest time i mean it was probably a good two or three years before i found the next issue at a used bookstore and it the spine was all bent weird and someone wrote on pen on the cover and um <laughs> they drew in the gutters like with pencil and one of the things. So it was a while before I, there was no internet for me yeah. to go look up what happened there. And there wasn't, I mean, wizard magazine wasn't even a thing yet. Um, so all you had was like the next issue box and the letter column. So it, it was a good while before I got any conclusion because going by this issue, like it's still, if you read it just in itself in that vacuum without knowing what happens next, like it'd be pretty hard to tell is like, is this flash? Is this Ned? Is it someone else? Like, like who is the hobgoblin? Cause it makes you um, consider that it could be, you know, one of these two other possibilities. And then in addition, they mention um, Lance Bannon, who is uh, the staff photographer at the Daily Bugle. And oh, I remember yeah. he was one of the suspects for the Hobgoblin as well. Mm. Like DeFalco does a really good job, like continuing that mystery of who this character really is. Yeah, no, it, it, it's really, uh, but it's also, it's it's subtle enough that it doesn't overpower the story and but everybody's story feels like an a story you know yeah uh there's the, so i don't feel like you know it's like you know meanwhile at the daily bugle it's like it it, it flowed well enough for me to to go okay like i i see where this is all connecting and potentially where it's going to go in the next issue um but i like that I'm not sitting there going, okay, like, all right, get back to the Spider-Man stuff, get back to Peter, you know, um, you know, when they cut to the bugle, I'm, I'm still, I'm not skipping ahead. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, and again, you know, the, the Hobgoblin Misty was great. Um, and I remember <laughs> um, when I was a kid, it was a Hobgoblin Lives came out and there they, okay, yeah. I think they revealed it was Roger Kingsley. But even yeah. then they were like, oh, it may, but he may not be, you know, he's just this hobgoblin as opposed to several other different hobgoblins that have shown up uh, over the years, um, including so, Ned, so many. Yeah, <laughs> Ned, Ned Leeds, uh, Phil Urich, I guess, was the last one. Um, I'm sure I'm missing several, but uh, uh, Jason Massendale. Yes, yes. And I think that's who it was in, in the animated series, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he was he was the hobgoblin at the time because he took over um, after Ned died or after we thought Ned died yeah. after we thought Ned was the hobgoblin. Right, right. <laughs> it's not confusing at all. But yeah, yeah, because he's the one that um, goes on to become uh, the demo goblin before that's, they that separates into two goblins as well. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I remember having uh, when I was a kid the uh, the Ultimate Guide to Spider Man, which uh -huh. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure was written by DeFalco, um, and it and it had that in there. It's like Hobgoblin. It's like you know, like all these different names. It's like, but are they really the Hobgoblin? And I'm thinking about it now. We're talking about the mystery of the Hobgoblin, and I'm laughing a little bit, going like, dude, Marvel was just 
milking that as much as they could. They'd reveal a hobgoblin and then go, well, nope. Like, but yeah, he, they were. He may not be, you know, <laughs> like, all right, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't yeah. even know, like, and it, and it goes on too, like in the 90s with the Goblins at the Gate storyline where you've got Norman versus the Hobgoblin. And then there's mm-hmm. like, a fifth green goblin in that story i'm like i don't even know who that green goblin is to this day <laughs> it, it was uh must have been a doom bot like doom wanted to shake things up a little bit something <laughs> another clone it yeah. was probably a clone uh you know what knowing norman osborne it definitely was a clone so <laughs> yeah um well javi this has been uh, this has been an absolute blast uh finally getting to sit down with you um yeah man and uh you know it's like we we i I feel like we've talked a lot but i've never actually had a (laughs) one-on-one yeah for sure so we've got you know twitter conversations and Mm -hmm. i i think we've been on a couple vigilante things together like tailgates yeah yeah maybe one or two i i think so so yeah Uh, it it was nice to chat yeah, this and this was great. Like I said, I'm glad you picked this issue. You know, two of my favorite things right off the bat with black suited Spider-Man and Hobgoblin. I'm like, all right, like it, it's you know, it's going to be it, that's going to be entertaining at least. But I ended up really loving this. So, so thank you for introducing oh, this one to me. Yeah. Um, well, and I am I am really loving your show right now. I you've had some great guests who've picked great stories, and I love hearing everybody's how everyone comes from like a different background um and a different i haven't listened to emmett's yet uh today but i love life stories so i'm looking forward to it i just i like how everyone's got like a different connection to spider-man um and have different levels of familiarity and and i loved hearing you talk about ultimate spider-man that doesn't get enough praise that i know we've got some mutual friends that maybe aren't as high on it, but I, I find it to be just as, as valid a take. And I really enjoyed that book when it used to be published. Yeah, that that was that was my Spider-Man for a long, long time. And in a way kind of still is, because um, I feel like Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland a little bit inhabited a lot of that energy. So that was cool. Yeah. Oh, Andrew Garfield, for sure. He yeah. definitely had like the speech ticks that ben just gave peter yeah 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 and, and that's what made me fall in love with him in the first place and also just not good looking yeah um, <laughs> um so uh one last question for you do you have a local comic store that you want to plug yeah uh two actually because i i kind of frequent two um okay. i've got one that's closer to home called tribe comics and games and uh that's kind of where i have like just my tried and true pull list where i get my batman and my superman uh from and they're just a little shop in kind of like southwest austin um but then uh i also go i make the trek to austin books and comics which is like i guess like the big superstore in the city where if i'm needing like oh, i want this variant cover this week then I order all my stuff through them and they've got just a mountain of trades and manga and toys and collectibles. Like they get everything. Um, They've got like a a prestige, like back issue wall um, and then a huge back issue selection. So um, I, I bounce back and forth between the two and show them both some love. So uh, super tight Austin books always takes care of me and Eric at tribe is, is a great guy and he'll help you out with whatever you need to. So I'm lucky that I have two stores that I, that I love going to for totally different things. <laughs> um, but for all the same love, all the love of comic books. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. So yeah. Uh, shout out to tribe comics and games and Austin books and comics um hobby says you're cool so that means you must be pretty damn cool so um so hobby if uh, people are looking for you out there in the uh, inner inner webs uh, flip, flip, uh where can they find you uh on instagram uh i'm the bond is not enough because i 
don't just love James Bond. I love Batman and Spider-Man and the Flash and Superman and bazillion other things. So I'll share pictures from a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, if you want to read um, reviews that I've done, I cover the Dynamite James Bond comic series uh, as a contributor for the jamesbonddossier.com. I'm a regular contributor to Batman on Film, where I'm reviewing Batman Catwoman, Robin, uh, Batman One Dark Knight, Catwoman Lonely City, just tons of stuff all the time. And then um, Twitter, uh, at Javi True, or also at ASM underscore Classics, uh, because like you, I've got a new Spider-Man podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of buddies of mine uh, a long time ago started uh, a show called Amazing Spider-Man Classics, where Don and John and, and Josh started at the beginning and, and got, um, God, I don't remember, like it, early Romita era. Um, okay. And during the pandemic, my, my son and I, had been talking and I really wanted him to experience the Spider-Man that I knew because he's in high school now. So I figured it would be a good time. And uh, we talked to those gentlemen and they gave their blessing. We could use the name. So we relaunched last month as a uh, season two. Uh, and our first episode talks about amazing fantasy 15 uh, Spider-Man chapter one, issue one, and then ultimate Spider-Man one through five. So we compared that classic st- origin story across three different eras uh, and maybe talk a little bit about the movies as well. And then we just had uh, our second episode or our first episode, cause that one was our pilot uh, drop this week where we talk amazing Spider-Man number one, the original, mm-hmm. not, not volume six that came out this week. I, <laughs> I think forget. it is six. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and amazing Spider-Man number two. So we're trying to do uh, from this point on, to cover two issues per episode and and for me it's been a while since i've reread them i reread them a lot as as a kid when i was his age but it's been a while since i've touched them and and he's never read them so i wanted to get his perspective from a high schooler in 2022 how does he feel about a 60 year old comic like does it hold up so um hopefully it does as we keep going forward that's really awesome. I will admit to have not been uh, checked that out yet, but I definitely will now because that sounds absolutely pun intended. Amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Spider-Man books or email me Spider-Man book club at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in to the Spider-Man book club. We'll see you next time, webheads. And we'll sign off as we always do, like the great Stanley would. Excelsior! <laughs>